Hi, I'm Paul Haverschrud, host of The Cost of Living. It's a show about money and how it shapes our lives. In big ways, like why inflation could get worse if we all make more money. Here's the hard truth in all of this. Workers are going to have to eat that real wage loss. And small ways, like what's the fastest way to order fast food? That first Big Mac that comes out of the kitchen is going to the drive-thru. Check out The Cost of Living. We're on CBC Listen or wherever you get podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. It seems like only yesterday to me that experts were touting the health benefits of vitamin D. But more recently, the sunshine has come off this apparent wonder treatment. So this week we're asking, what can vitamin D actually do for my health? Hi, Peter. Welcome back to The Dose. Thanks, Brian. Do you think about how much vitamin D you're getting when you're outside in the sun? I know there have been a lot of clouds where we live. I know. Trying to get vitamin D is that you need a certain amount of skin exposed. So I remember they told us it was your back. And, and it's not nothing special about your back. It's just the surface area. And we were told it was about 10 or 15 minutes of sun exposure and you can make enough vitamin D. Uh, and uh, the beauty of it is that when you make vitamin D, you never make too much. So it sort of like makes the right amount. And then when you make more of it because you're outside for longer, it just breaks it down. So you never go too high. So your body is very smart in how it regulates the vitamin D that we make. But like you said, here in Canada, it's impractical. Like we're not going to get the right amount of vitamin D. And that's why we do have to turn to supplementation. Well, we're going to talk about supplementation and we are going to talk about mega dosing. But before we begin, can you give us a hi, my name is, tell us what you do and where you do it. Hi, I'm Peter Lynn. I'm a family physician in Toronto, uh, uh, Ontario. Okay. So why does the body need vitamin D? Yeah, it's interesting. So vitamin D, it's a vitamin, but what it does is that it has to go in And it plays around with this vitamin D receptor. And once it becomes chaperoned by this vitamin D receptor, it actually goes into the nucleus of our cells and it attaches to certain places on our DNA. So in fact, think of vitamin D like a a caretaker, you know, somebody that sort of looks after things, you know, turns on the lights, turns on the air conditioning, off the air conditioning, that kind of thing. So it regulates which genes should be expressed from your DNA. So therefore, like a good caretaker, if we have them in the right amount, then we can make sure that everything is turned on and off in the right way. However, if we don't have enough of it, then now we have a caretaker that's missing. So maybe we don't get those sort of maintenance kind of things being done. And that's when we might start seeing some diseases and things like that coming forward. So it's not that, you know, vitamin D is this panacea. So people sort of say, you know, I have asthma and I took vitamin D and it got better. It's more, I gave you back the the maintenance crew that you needed um, to make sure that everything was working as it should be. And that's why some people say that vitamin D supplementation helped me with my joints, helped me with this, helped me with my hair, those kinds of things, because we're basically giving back the caretakers to make sure that the maintenance stuff is being done. Well, I, you know, I know, of course, from med school that vitamin D is very important for the health of our bones. What other processes is it really important to help maintain and regulate, as you said? Yeah. So the bones, we were learning about calcium absorption, right? So for you to absorb calcium, you need vitamin D and so on and so forth. And we need vitamin D to help you escort the calcium into the right places. And so therefore vitamin D does that function. But we know that vitamin D is also inside your immune cells. So therefore it's needed to turn on and off and be a good caretaker in your immune cells that fight off infection. 
So you can imagine that if I don't have enough of those caretakers in my immune cells, then maybe my immune cells will not work well. So just imagine if caretakers all around this whole city decided to go on strike, then you would have garbage piling up and things like that. And so things would not run well. And I think that's why there were all these claims that you could have better asthma, better arthritis, better hair growth, better everything if you gave vitamin D. Unfortunately, people now read into it as this is the super treatment for anything. So I don't need the real treatments for my condition. I just take this stuff and everything will be good. So remember, we're replacing what you're missing. And when we replace what you're missing, then normal function comes. But if you have disease on top of that, you still have to take your normal disease kind of treatments, right? So it's not going to lower your blood pressure. It's not going to do those things. So you still need to continue taking on your disease medications, even though we're giving you back the good caretakers to make sure that you're maintaining uh, all the normal bodily functions. How does the body process and store vitamin D? Yeah, it's interesting. So the process starts in your skin. So the sunlight hits it. And with that energy, we create the first molecule um, that is going to become vitamin D. Uh, And so basically that molecule will go from your skin to your liver. Now, it was so important to our normal function that it was pretty much that we should be able to create this on our own. In other words, through sun and through our skin. So that's why in terms of, um, you know, getting it from foods and stuff like that, maybe not so easy because we were supposed to be able to make it on our own. And so it's very interesting when I start explaining this whole thing to people, my patients with kidney disease, all of a sudden go, ah, I have kidney disease. So my kidneys can't do that final step. And that's why I have to take the different kind of vitamin D, the stuff that's already built. In other words, it has all the modifications on it already. And that's why I have to pay a lot more for my vitamin D than my, than my you know, spouse that doesn't have kidney disease, for example. So I think understanding how our body processes our vitamin D helps us understand why we need to take supplementation. And if you have bad kidney disease or bad liver disease, for example, how come your body may not make the active vitamin D uh, for your body's needs? Now, Peter, you've already talked about, you know, the relative lack of sunshine uh, in, in, in some parts, many parts of Canada. How widespread is vitamin D deficiency in this country as far as you know? Yeah, it's very widespread. And, you know, when we started to do the testing, we started to see that many people are low in their vitamin D because so many people are not getting sun exposure. Even in the summertime, you think about it, it gets pretty hot. So what do people do? They go inside where there's air conditioning, right? So again, they don't have a whole lot of sun. And interestingly, when you're driving around in the car and maybe, you know, the the sunlight through the glass, it turns out that that cuts down the UV rays that you need to trigger this particular process. So realistically, we're not getting enough sun so that we can make our own vitamin D. Um, we've already mentioned uh, that we can get vitamin D from uh, sun exposure, exposure to UV rays. What are some of the other ways that we get vitamin D? Yeah, so we have to go and eat vitamin D. So that's another way to get it. So, um, But unfortunately, because we we're supposed to make it, there isn't a whole lot in terms of food sources of vitamin D. Um, so one thing that I think everybody that's old enough remembers cod liver oil, right? So the, 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 the liver from codfish. So fish, they don't get a whole lot of sunshine. So they need to produce their own vitamin D. So therefore, a lot of the fishes will, will have it. So cod livers, salmon, um, swordfish, tuna, sardines, they would have the vitamin D in it. 
There is some vitamin D in the in uh, calf liver, so beef liver. There's going to be some in there as well. And now, of course, we have fortified drinks. You know, so in our milk, there's going to be vitamin D in there. Not a whole lot, but there's going to be about let's say 100 units of the stuff in there. Uh, in your fortified orange juice, now they're putting it in there as well. So they're adding it into places so that we can get more. But certainly, just in terms of natural foods, I still remember cod liver oil. It tasted terrible, but I just remember my mom telling me this will make you strong. You know, make your bones strong. Um, we didn't know anything about vitamin D, or at least I didn't know anything about it. I just knew that it tasted terrible uh, as I was drinking that stuff. I can, you know, Peter, I can remember my mom literally chasing me around the dining room table to try to get me to, to swallow a <laughs> teaspoon of cod liver oil. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I, I guess I'm saying I'm old enough to, to do that. Now, let's let's break down those uh, sources of vitamin D one at a time. Uh, you've, we've talked, of course, about sun exposure, but let's, let's get a little bit more granular there. Can you get enough vitamin D by being outside in the sun uh, to meet some of the health claims that are being made? Yeah, so it's it's very hard, right? Because you think about most of us are told don't get too much sun because of skin cancer. So therefore, they say you know wear long sleeves clothing and so so on, so on and so forth, and then put on sunscreen or sunblock so that you don't get sun burning kind of thing. So unfortunately, the same kind of UV rays, similar types of UV rays, are also the ones that carry enough energy to trigger this reaction to occur in your skin. Those are the same rays that may also cause some of the damage. So that's why, you know, we, it's very hard to separate out. Here's the good rays and only get that one. And the amount that we get is quite small. And as the summer goes, the sun goes down earlier. So therefore, the angle of the sun means that it's delivering less of those rays. So that's why in North America, in Canada in particular, to get it from sunshine is very difficult. Now, it's not impossible. However, we would need every single day to get exposure. And roughly, they're sort of saying it's your back and it's roughly for about 10 minutes. So you don't need to go out and, and burn yourself out there uh, because we don't want to have people trying to raise their vitamin D levels, but at the same time expose themselves to skin cancer, for example. Um, and then in terms of tanning beds, you know, people got the bright idea that, oh, I can get UV uh, light in that way. Now that's direct UV, very close up. And so the amount of damage that that's going to do far outweighs any of the potential benefits that it might have. So that's why we don't want people to go to a tanning place um, in order to try and boost up their vitamin D in that fashion. What if you use sunblock, you know, SPF, say 40, 45 plus, are you blocking out UV and therefore not getting vitamin D? Yeah. And that's basically how all of these things work. So um, if you have the sunscreen, basically that's a chemical that's going into your skin that will absorb the energy from that UV. So again, it'll take away the energy that's needed to have that reaction occur. And so that's why sunscreen and sunblock will cut down on the, uh, on the chance that you're going to be making enough vitamin D in that fashion. Okay. So clearly uh, obtaining your, you're not going to get enough vitamin D through exposure to sun and then the UV damage uh, could lead to mm -hmm. skin cancer, you know, especially with the depletion of the ozone layer these days. So, <laughs> so we're turning to vitamin D supplements. So um, what are you telling your patients? Uh, how much should they be taking and, and why should they be taking vitamin D every day? Yeah. So everyday vitamin D, it makes a whole lot of sense. And I always separate out, there's a D2 and a D3. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because otherwise people just go out and buy vitamin D. So D2 is coming from plant sources, whereas D3 is coming from animal sources. And that's similar to the one that we have within our body. Um, and the reason why I separate the two is because the dose is different. So the plant sources, you're talking 20,000, 30,000, you know, so big numbers in terms of the international units that you want to give of this stuff. 
Whereas the D3, you're talking in the ballpark of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 international units. So there's a 10 times difference between the two in terms of dosing. So you can imagine the problem comes in. So I tell somebody reads up about D2, where they say you need 20,000 units. And then what they do is they end up buying the D3. And now they take 20,000 units of that. Now that's way too much for them. And then Mm -hmm. they can get into too much vitamin D in their body. So I always tell people there's two types. Now, thankfully, the most common one when you go to the pharmacy or whatever will be the D3. And that's the one that's about 1,000 international units per pill or per drop that you can get it as a dropper version. And then what you do is you start off, I tell people start off with 1000 units a day, do that for a couple of days. If there's no weird side effects, uh, then go ahead and take 2000. So around 2000, 1000, 2000 is a good number. And that's number. D3 you're talking about. That's D3. That's right. Okay. So that's the more common one that you're going to trip onto. D2, some people like that one. Some of my patients go, I like the big numbers, you know, <laughs> but in, in, in terms of what's the closest to us, the D3 is sort of closer to what we would have in our body. So sort of an animal version of, I guess, if we will. And so probably the D3 is going to be the one that you're going to see on the shelf. And so start off with the 1000, then go to 2000 and then sit there. 2000 should be enough. Um, Health Canada just sort of tells us, let's not go over 4000 because then we might get into too much vitamin D. And the reason why that's important is vitamin D is fat soluble. Um, If you take a water soluble one, if you take too much vitamin C, you just end up peeing it out into the ocean, so to speak, right? And it doesn't accumulate in your body. Whereas the fat soluble vitamins, if you take too much of that, they will get stored in your fat stores. So there is a chance that you will accumulate too much of of vitamin D, for example. And so therefore we just tell people stay within one to 2000. And I think that's good. And remember, we're giving you back the caretakers, right? So having more caretakers doesn't help you, right? So if I have one caretaker looking after the building, it's good enough. If I give you 10, it's not going to be even better. So therefore, there is no need to megadose. And I also tell people just add it all up, right? So some people are taking multiple vitamins and they're taking calcium with vitamin D and then they're taking vitamin D. So they've got all sorts of bottles. And I said, just add it all up. And so let's say in the multivitamin, there's 600. And let's say in your calcium and vitamin D, that's another 600. So now you're at 1,200 already, right? So therefore, if we take 1,000 on top of that, you're at 2,200. So that's close enough to 2,000. But just add everything up, and that way we give you the right amount and we don't overdose you. And there were some people that were saying, well, why don't we give it to you once a year, you know, 500,000 units once a year. And when they did that study, it didn't do well. So it didn't really help with fractures and those kinds of things in terms of the bones even. And that's because we give this huge amount. It's like rain, right? Imagine if I give you the whole year's rain in one day, And then no rain for the rest of the year. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So that's why, you know, when you were asking, you know, should we be taking it once a day as opposed to these mega pulses, probably the results are coming out that the once a day, every day at steady levels probably is easier for your body to handle as opposed to these mega pulses of these uh, vitamin D. I'm speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history, not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. What are some of the main symptoms of vitamin D deficiency that you might see in patients who come to your clinic? 
Now, this is the hard part. So it's not like something where, let's say your blood counts are low and then you would get tired and things like that. So there isn't a very good symptom for that. If let's say you have too much acid in your stomach, you'll complain of heartburn, that kind of thing. Even for heart disease, you know, when we start exercising, you get chest pain. So there's something that points you to a specific organ. In this case, you can imagine if the caretaker is not working well in your bones and your bones are not as strong, in other words, it doesn't get all the calcium and stuff like that, it won't complain to you. There's no little sensor that's going to say, hey, your bones are too thin. What will happen is that I fall and I break my bone. And then all of a sudden people go, how come you broke? You didn't really fall that hard. And it was just, you know, kind of you standing there. And so unfortunately, the symptoms may come when the disease actually comes. And so that's the problem. So like I said, some people said that their asthma is worse um, when their vitamin D levels are low. So if somebody's asthma is worse, am I going to say, oh, your vitamin D levels? No, I'm going <laughs> to say your asthma is worse, right? Right. So, yeah, no, so exactly. that's the problem, right? And so that's the problem when you have something that goes across all of these different organ systems, it's when they start to fail, that's when we're going to start seeing those symptoms. But unfortunately, there is no sensor that says my vitamin D levels feel low, and that's why I'm starting to feel this. Now, we used to think about rickets disease and things like that where the bone is not forming. So when we're looking at that, that's a very severe stages of low vitamin D levels. And so most of the people in, in Canada won't get to that kind of low levels because there is some stuff in your diet and things like that um, that we are getting. So you won't get to the super low levels, but certainly we see a lot of people that are running around without vitamin D, not enough of it. Um, but unfortunately, there's no specific symptoms that people are going to complain about where we go, aha, I better check your vitamin D levels. I wish there was because that would be easy. But unfortunately, it's different organ systems being affected. So the symptoms may be tiredness, maybe hair loss, maybe asthma getting worse, maybe you know muscle aches, that kind of thing. So very nonspecific kind of symptoms. So tell me about uh, the possibility of vitamin D toxicity. What are, what are the symptoms that people might notice? So some people get nauseous, some people get confused, they get headaches and things like that. Um, and so those are the kinds of symptoms where people would connect it to the vitamin D, right? So actually, um, when you take too much of vitamin D, people start feeling these negative side effects. So usually it's confusion, uh, they might have nausea, that kind of symptomatology that they might have. And so that's why I tell people ahead of time, you're going to read about these people that want you to take 10,000 units, those kinds of things. Let's just go with what you need, right? In other words, let's replace what you need. Uh, and then we'll see how things go. And most of the people, they sit at 2000 units, and they're actually quite good. But I'm, you know, I seem to recall two, three, four years ago, experts were touting vitamin D as a treatment for MS, yes. multiple sclerosis. Yes. And, you know, a new study found that a combination mm -hmm. of vitamin D, omega-3 and exercise reduced cancer risk significantly in people age 70 and right. older. Uh, and, That's you know, right. a few years ago, I was, I was hearing experts say, if you want to prevent cancer, you should take vitamin D. What happened to that? Yeah. And, and there's the thing, right? So do we prevent cancer? In which case I shouldn't be giving it to you when you're 70, right? Because your cancer risk is now yeah. already charging ahead, right? So that's why, you know, all of these studies, they do the following. So when they noticed that vitamin D levels were low, and then they noticed this disease happened more often, they said, ah, so low vitamin D is that. And then we made the next step, which was, so if I give you back vitamin D, you won't get the disease. But that's not the same, right? So to do that second step, I would have to give half the people vitamin D and the other half of the people no vitamin D, and then we see whether they develop the disease or not. So mm -hmm. just by looking at a population and say, oh, you have low vitamin D and you happen to have cancer, therefore the low vitamin D caused your cancer. That statement is where we get it all wrong. <laughs> and so that's the part that we have to make sure. So that's why I tell my patients, 
vitamin D is a necessary molecule in your body. That's why I use the caretaker kind of analogy. And I think most people would understand that the caretaker is not going to fix certain things, right? So if you have this massive cancer sitting there, your caretaker cannot take care of the cancer. And that's the problem where I get worried is when people think that the vitamin D is the panacea. For example, COVID, you know, we saw that play out in real life. You, you, you talked about it as well. You know, people in intensive care units with COVID had low vitamin D levels. And so the lay public, what did they interpret? If I take vitamin D, I will not get COVID. And I'm thinking, how did they make that leap going there, right? Um, so this is where we have to make sure that we explain it properly. So people in the intensive care unit did have low vitamin D levels. So that's a finding. But we cannot just immediately say that if you take vitamin D, you're not going to get COVID. And that's the part that we need to make sure. And that's the part that gets blurred in the internet, you know, when people are searching for these things, right? So they have seen that low vitamin D levels is found in certain diseases, but that doesn't mean if I just take vitamin D, I don't have to treat the disease with anything else. I think what we need to do is tell people, let's replace your vitamin D, make sure that you have enough of that. And I don't need to give you mega amounts because more of something isn't necessarily better. Over-replacement is not a good idea. And thinking that that's going to treat every disease, that part is not true. And so therefore, I think people need to understand that vitamin D is important, but it is not the treatment of every single disease that uh, you've seen on the internet. And Peter, final question for you. When is it valuable to obtain vitamin D levels to do a blood test? Yeah. So I, I think, I think those are good reasons. So in other words, if there's a clinical situation where we need to check, or if you're going to be needing to go above the normal dosing. Um, so for example, the bone density is not improving or not, not stabilizing is still going down and they're already taking 2000. Do I need to give them more? So in that case, doing the test is good. Mass screening of everybody that comes through their office with a vitamin D, not good, right? Because that just uses up a lot of resources. And the recommendation of to take 1,000 to 2,000, I don't need a blood test for that, right? It's only if I need to move higher, then maybe a blood test would be very useful. Or if we have some other medical condition that makes you suspect that there's vitamin D deficiency, then of course, use the test appropriately. So I just want to make sure that you know we don't need a test to start the vitamin D supplementation. And I think that part is good. We do need a test if you're going to go high but we don't need a test to go to 1,000 to 2,000 units. And I usually tell my patients, I take 2,000 units. So you know, then they feel comfortable that I'm, I'm sort of doing what I'm asking them to do. Uh, and they seem to feel quite comfortable with that as well. So I think vitamin D is one of those topics that everybody kind of goes, oh, that's a sunshine vitamin. So everybody knows just a little bit about it. But maybe if we all kind of know this part of the caretaker story, uh, then it makes sense that we want to replace, but we don't want to overdo it. Well, Dr. Peter Lin, thank you so much for spreading some sunlight on vitamin D. <laughs> thank you, Brian. You are a ray of sunshine. Right back at you. Dr. Peter Lin is a Toronto-based family physician and the house doctor on CBC Radio 1. Here's your dose of smart advice. Vitamin D is necessary to help your body regulate calcium, which keeps your bones strong. It also primes your immune system to fight infection. There are very few noticeable symptoms of vitamin D deficiency. The kinds of things you might notice include broken bones caused by osteoporosis, worsening asthma, fatigue, and hair loss. Our bodies make vitamin D through exposure to UV radiation in sunlight. Living in a northern hemisphere country like Canada means that most people who live here don't make enough vitamin D through sun exposure to meet our needs. That means you need to consume the vitamin in foods or in dietary supplements. 
Most people should take one to three thousand international units or IUs per day of D3, which is found in cod liver oil and fish products, or twenty to thirty thousand IUs per day of D2, which comes from plants. Because vitamin D is produced in the liver and kidneys, the daily requirements in people with liver and kidney disease are greater. Vitamin D is important for your body's function, but it is not a cure-all for serious conditions like cancer or MS. Take what you need each day and no more. Because vitamin D is fat soluble, it means excess D is stored in your body's fat cells and can cause toxic effects like nausea and confusion. If you have topics you'd like discussed or questions answered, tweet me at NightShiftMD at CBC Podcasts or at CBC White Coat using the hashtag #TheDoseCBC. Our email address is thedose at cbc.ca. You can find the dose wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, please rate us five stars so more people can find us. This edition of the Dose was produced by Stephanie Dubois. Technical operations were by Laura Antonelli. Our senior producer is Colleen Ross. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. If you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.